Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III, and we are starting our coverage of the Disney Plus series, Secret Invasion. Oh my goodness, finally an MCU TV series is back. Happy to be talking about it, and I am talking about it first with the super producer, Jake Christie. Jake is in the house. How, how are you, sir? Uh, you know, besides the fact that I, uh, I'm no longer employed, I'm pretty good. Oh my but so, and on that on that note, if you have employment opportunities in New York area, please let me know. But anyway, I'm fine to talk about the show. Yes, 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 and uh, yes. What what you, 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 don't what Jake said. you don't have to acknowledge that. Everything Jake said, I wasn't expecting that. Oh, sorry. What? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a liar. I put my the real stuff. Like I, I, you know, I'm I'm fresh. This happened three hours ago, so I'm not gonna lie. We also have, as you can see on the screen. A uh, friend of the show, Hunter Redisi, does work with Streamer Entertainment. He is a writer and uh, yeah, does a lot of content with the nerd stuff. Hunter, how you doing, man? Good to have you back. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little sleepy, but I'm in a great mood. Uh, and I'm ready to, to talk about some secret invasions or in singular invasion that's happening. Yes, yes, yes. And episode one, Resurrection brings us back into the MCU with Nick Fury and co as we get involved with the scrolls and everything going on with that. Now, I really want to talk about this show a lot and I want to get into the the ins and the outs and everything that involves the scrolls and and all of the fury stuff, a lot of hashtag watched agenda. That's on the that's on the docket. Trust me. We're, we're going to get there. But first, 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 I do have to address the opening credits situation because that is what I would call a no-no because that <laughs> opening credit sequence was trash. Trash, 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 trash. And on top of that, the opening credits were, as been heavily discussed over the last couple of days, they were an AI tool. They were an AI tool now. They now... The studio itself has come out and said that, no, this is not taking any work away from anybody, which, okay, I mean, if you want to say that, that's fine. But I think the point is, is that it sucks. It wasn't good. And that's and that's where we've had this conversation before. We had the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume 3 art direction team talk about AI and the problems with that and the issues with that and why it's it's an issue, generally speaking. And this is just another example of that where it seems like they took the easy way out. Listen, if you're going to do a show that they talk about being in the same vein as Winter Soldier with the with the spy vibes and we're bringing back Fury and we're we're really getting into the espionage and the more interesting parts of a story with the Skrulls and alien stuff, man, might as well go all in. You're a multi-million dollar company. Why you got to cheap out? That, that That's how I feel about it. Hunter... Uh, uh, maybe you feel differently. Give me your thoughts. Um, no, I I don't feel differently. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I I agree with you on that. Uh, I think it's it's kind of trashy what happened. And uh, listen, it's I I get what they were going for. You know, it's not that I don't understand what they were attempting to do. You know, they've they've gone out and they've more or less kind of said well or or implied well. This is a show about non-humans invading Earth and in invading, like, human society, and we wanted it to be a little unsettling, and we wanted it to be a little weird, and they're, and they're trying to get that non-human element into the opening credits by using AI, and, and I get that. I get that idea, but I also think that there are countless human artists who are fully capable of achieving that without dipping our toes into really dangerous territory and, and setting kind of a scary precedent uh it, it, i mean marvel is a company with a lot of power in this industry so if they start doing it and they start saying it's okay and people start ignoring it and just saying like well they just did it for this one show so it's fine it's just the title sequence and we all just ignore it then they do it more and they do it more and then other studios think it's fine and then who knows where we end up so uh i get it but i don't love it i'm so glad that you said those those things hunter thank you jake how about you so I think the thing is, I think Hunter's right, but I actually think, I think Hunter's right about the idea behind it, but I really think that that's like a post hoc justification. I think that's like, it, that is the thing that, you couldn't convince one or two people of that, but like, this is why we need creative people who are like, 
working creative people, not executive level creative people in these rooms. Because I can understand an executive who hasn't done a creative thing in 20 years thinking like, yeah, that's a cool concept. But like those executive jobs are not the ones that are currently being threatened to be replaced with AI. Like you can't decouple this from the fact that there's a writer strike going on. There's a possible SAG strike going, that's going to happen, a possible director strike happening. Like we're seeing the devaluation of labor, of human labor in the arts in a way that's really dispiriting because I think that so many of these, like, and there's not many, but like these AI fanboys you see on Twitter will be like, who cares if it's good or bad? It's like what the problem is. These people don't realize. I mean, maybe they do realize, but because they just like garbage. I mean, based on some of the stuff that they post about, <laughs> they might actually just not like good things. But <laughs> the, the thing I'm afraid of with AI, and I've said this before, is not that AI will be able to make something as good as a human can do. It's not just that I'm so attached to humans that I don't want... That, like, it's not that. It's that I know they can't, but I know that it might be able to make something that is good enough for a corporation to tell me that it's okay, you know? And that's what this is. That this... It looks horrible. Like, and, and the thing is that, like, they knew it looked horrible, but they were betting on it being okay enough that they'd be able to get away with it. And I think that this is the exact first... This is the exact place that you would do your first attempt with it like the whole quote-unquote conceptual reason to do it is just a cover for it you know and then like you'd let it happen once without any blowback then what happens next what happens next and it's not lost on me and it's not lost on i think anyone that this is not just some any studio doing this this is a studio that was built on the back of illustrators for almost 100 years this is a studio that is about illustrators it's about this talent and if you don't respect the art then like, what are you doing? And I know they don't respect the art, but the thing that's really, because they're executives, I don't expect Hollywood executives to care about anything. Right. But the thing that's distract, this distressing, and especially because I think they might be right, is I think that a lot of Hollywood executives are like, wait, the people who are really loud about respecting the art, they're actually the minority. Most people don't care enough about movies and TV and will let us get away with this. And I'm terrified that they're right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, go ahead, Hunter. I, I was going to say, I mean, like to the, to the point, uh, this is a company that has been built on the backs of, of very talented human beings working really, really hard to send very specific messages for like a, almost a century now at this point. And I think this is the same company that, again, obviously none of us would be here doing this right now if we didn't love Marvel and we didn't love talking about their shows and characters and, and content. But I, I do think that this is an important thing to talk about, especially when we are giving ourselves this platform to talking about to talk about it that people will listen to and you know it's the same company that just dropped yet another stan lee documentary that sort of glosses over the contributions of jack kirby and steve ditko and i like there's there is a very very long history of really talented skilled people contributing a lot to culture and entertainment and the characters that people love and just not getting their flowers for it uh, and I, I'm just, if that's already been happening for this long, the minute you start throwing AI into it, it's, it's just, that's awful to me. Make no mistake about it. This show is going to continue to hit these points every time we see something like this. And if you have an issue with it, I don't, I don't know what to tell you personally, because just as so, I could speak some, as somebody personally, who is a part of a union, mm -hmm. seeing something like this is mm -hmm. distressing. It does yeah. bother me because these are people who are breaking their backs, working to provide us content. And if we just have apathy and if we're just cool with it, then who's to say that it's not going to happen every other place, especially since this is the highest form of entertainment that we're currently dealing with. So yeah. please, when you listen to us talking about this, please at least take, a, take note that this is a serious issue that will touch all forms of life. And I think the actual thing I would like to stress, uh, impress upon people is I think that, and I use this word ironically, but I think that there's really a disconnect between, I think what these executives are taking advantage of is how much normies, and I use once again as a joke, don't understand how the way that the entertainment industry works. I think that they are basically expecting regular people in Peoria, Illinois, no disrespect, that's just always my go-to city in the middle of the country, <laughs> in Peoria, Illinois, One to not notice them, not notice them dismantling the human parts of the entertainment industry. And then those people in Peoria, Illinois will wake up one day, be like, why does everything on movies and TV suck? 
and they'll not know what happened. And I think that if you're someone, and I do this with people in my life, but if you're someone who's listening to this, who cares about this, who is not surrounded by people on film Twitter, which most people aren't, let them know, like, this is an existential thing. The writer's strike is not about some privileged people wanting more money. This is a, like, are we going to take art and entertainment, the most human things we do, like, the fact that they're trying to tell us that a robot can more easily create a TV show or a piece of art than it can, like, build a car. Like, yeah, make a robot build a car. That's not a superhuman thing. But people are making art since we were in <laughs> caves. And I, the idea that art is the thing that we automate is the truly the most insulting thing to the human condition I've ever heard. And I know it sounds hyper, hyper, hyperbolic, but, like, it's not. This is what we're yeah. meant to do. Where Everything else we do other than art is, like, less human than art. Yes. Yeah. And I, I know, like, that's going to be upsetting to some people, you know, but it's it's also not wrong because that's what art is. Art is expressionism. So why are you taking like there are things that are done based entirely on math and calculations, but you're doing you're taking the one thing that we use as a society, as a culture. There, there is no culture with our without art like art is, is part of it, you know, like all of it is art. And if you're ripping that away and giving it to robots, like what are you leaving for us to be people? Actually, you yeah. know, it just doesn't, it doesn't yeah, make I just, sense. I want to let me add one last point too, sure. that like in this week, everyone's focused on the submarine, you know, implosion. And there was a bunch of different references to different moments in the film Titanic. Before Titanic happened, before the movie Titanic happened, there was no movie Titanic. So therefore an AI system could not have copied it. And so therefore, if AI was in charge of making art in 1997, we would have no jokes or references to describe this with because no one would have thought of it. It had to be a human being who thought of these things and put them on paper. And I think that this is the thing that like, there will literally be nothing new ever again if we let this happen. And so if if I wasn't doing the show, I 100% would not watch Secret Invasion out of principle um, just because fuck it, you know, but I, and I, so I don't necessarily encourage people to boycott, but I do want it to not be lost. And I don't think we'll talk about it every week. But, like, it is as big of a deal as, like, some illustrator you follow on Twitter is saying it is. It's an existential threat to the best parts of humanity. All right, so Secret Invasion, guys. <laughs> this is a thing that this is a thing that happened. There was an episode. Nick Fury is back. I want general thoughts first, and then we will kind of dive into the meat. Because it is, it is a rather meaty, meaty plot yeah. in terms of dialogue. So... Hunter, let, let me start with you. You've actually watched the first two episodes, but without, yeah, we're just going to focus on one, of course. But give me your thoughts on episode one initially. How did you feel about the tone, everything that you saw, the visuals? Give me, give it to me. Yeah, I picking up from sort of what we were just talking about. Uh, I actually, you know, I, I supporting people boycotting this and however people feel about it. I also just think that's a shame because I think it is a really good show. Uh, and I, it's, I think it's annoying that so much of that people, we feel like we can't talk about that because we have to talk about the yeah. AI opening. And, um, and of course there are ways to get a show without paying for it. I'm not going to say what those are, but if you want to watch it, you don't want to support <laughs> it. There are. Yeah. Um, because aside from that distracting a little bit, I really, really liked this opening episode. Um, personally, I, I thought it was a really, really solid intro to, kind of what this show is, what it's going to be, tonally what they're going for, what they're trying to do with these characters. Uh, there was a couple big swings, I thought, out of the gate. However, people may feel about those as whatever, but I, I was happy to see them actually doing some interesting things in the first episode as opposed to kind of doing nothing for three to four and then doing something. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah I just I think that in terms of pilots this is a pretty solid pilot for what they're they're attempting to do and i i had a good a good time watching it go ahead jake you know i really enjoyed the vibe i love spy shit i love the americans um i love martin freeman in a hat um but no i think that like i think it was a really good smart decision to have the cold open basically end with a squirrel reveal um, because I think that like the, obviously the whole thing is going to be, you never really know who you can trust. Um, I think that the decision to have a bunch of stuff happen early is a really smart one. And I think that, um, you know, I, I like that you kind of know a little bit about the scrolls, but not really a ton. And I think that this Ben Mendelsohn and Sam Jackson, I think just have really good friend chemistry. Um, and like, you really believe that they're old friends. Um, and so like, I, I like anything in the I, the Marvel TV shows. I think they're at their best when they actually kind of just like 
let the overqualified actors that they cast in their movies act, you know? Um, and this is just a lot of acting. Um, there's a short performance in it that I love, which I think is obvious if you know me, but we'll get to it. But I think that there's just like, there's a lot of good, there's good vibes. And, and I know that there's the stuff about anything with Nick Fury, AC, I'll cede to you because obviously mm-hmm. you have a special connection to him. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'll let you talk. Oh my God. Let me tell you. I knew it. <laughs> the moment that he walks out of the out of the ship or wherever he got beamed down from and he starts limping oh my god <laughs> i was like this show is for me this is this is this is fits me to a t but on, on a serious note because we will get back to watch the gender because there's a lot of moments in it in the serious note as far as the show is concerned i think what what i noticed in this episode in this opening episode more so than any of the other mcu tv shows is that they made sure and it might have annoyed some of the more experienced heads they really went out of their way to kind of explain some of the stuff that happened to casuals to kind of like a lot of the dialogue was written for people who may be just jumping into who haven't seen captain marvel or something like that to have an idea of what the who of what and who the scrolls are and some of the stuff with this with the snap and the blip and everything else to kind of get people to at least feel like they're not coming in completely cold as they watch this show that was one thing that i noticed that they spent a lot of time specifically with with three characters going out of their way to talk to fury about that the other thing that i feel about this show and i think you both of you guys mentioned it is they tried to accomplish things early without giving too much away. I think they had they did they had a very nice balance of those things here where we kind of get to know Gravik a little bit, but he's this very foreboding presence that I can't wait to dive into more of what his his motivations, his overall motivations in the whys, as opposed to just the generalizations that we got here so far. But as far as just a show generally, this fits my vibe. I like slow cookers. Jake, you know this. Put something in the slow cooker and have it cook for a while. And I and, think we talked we'll about good. brisket last time. Yes, yes. We talked <laughs> about brisket. There's a might, might have a little, you know, roast pork or something along those lines. All, for, all for this pork one. butt. Yeah, 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 the the Boston butt. Anybody uh, love a good uh, Levitard show reference right there? This is going places I did not expect. I mean, AC and I, (laughs) AC and I know a little Boston butt. All right, well, you better remember that. I eat butt all the time. (laughs) Shout out to Greg Cody, but uh, nonetheless, I'm I'm very excited in the sense that even with it feeling like a very talky type of show there was enough action and there is enough twist that okay you got me going for the next week but without making me feel like i've seen everything i'm in wonderment trying to figure out what happens next so i kind of want to start with this portion first i am so upset in retrospect at carol danvers because (laughs) she is getting no heat for this scroll thing and why they're so upset and why they're after Nick Fury. Of course, you're going to blame the black man. You're going to have the black man looking bad out here where you got Carol Danvers on film <laughs> talking about I'm coming right back and we ain't seen her for 30, 25 to 30 years. Uh... What kind of shit is this? That that That's my gripe. That is my annoyance. Everybody talk about, oh Fury, you're not ready for the fight. You're not. You, you, this is something that you don't understand. You were, we were holding out hope so you would keep your promise and all this other stuff. What about the super powerful white lady who just disappeared? <laughs> I, I, I love your idea that scrolls, despite being a race of aliens that are unrelated <laughs> to humans, they still like they were on Earth for like five minutes and they took on racism. They're like, oh, yeah. oh, this is. <laughs> The first scroll, the, that little like mind trick they do. The the yeah. first guy he picked the wrong dude like out yeah. the gate, and he's like, "Well, this is what they all believe." And then he just went with it, and now we have it's all gone. Yeah. It's all gone to hell already. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I I think the whole I think the problem ultimately is one of the situations where like you you blame the person that's there, like 
I think they yell at Carol, but she's uh, she she yeeted herself out of there. So that's true. They they probably would yell at Carol, but like no one knows where she is. And even if they were going to yell at Carol, they'd be like, "You could disintegrate me in three seconds." So I'm going to yell at this guy instead. I'll, I'll be right back, <laughs> Jesus. But um, all right, let's all right, let's let's dive into the the fury aspect with 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 Talos first because I think uh, Jake mentioned that the chemistry between Mendelssohn and Jackson is just. A lot of fun to watch their interplay uh seemingly especially it seems like that that greeting that they had was like oh wow that that, that warmed my heart and that was that was nice to see that that, that they really have a, a friendship like that uh jake what did you think of the interplay between them in this and just overall as fury is trying to find his way around this new kind of terrain that he's trying to deal with I mean, their camaraderie feels a lot like in movies about spies and espionage. The the relationship that like a spy and their handler will have, or like not a handler, like a, a spy and their like source, you know, like because they've not just been to war together; they've been at you know in really stressful bits of espionage together. And I think that that bonds people in a way that's really special. And that I think you can kind of tell that Talos is. I think the, the relationship is more interesting, honestly, to me from Talos's perspective because Talos has obviously chosen to side with the other people, like with humans in this case. And Nick Fury is like his main contact point with that. And so, mm-hmm. like, he kind of needs Nick Fury to always be there for him or else he'll lose faith in, like, humanity in general. And so, like, there's a way that you can see like this kind of the tiredness in Mendelssohn's eyes where it's just like, I'm so I'm tired of like having to hold this guy. He feels like it's the weight of the world on his shoulders. Cause like yeah. he's the one who's trying to make this work. And like, he's trying to convey to Fury. I think it, with everyone telling Fury that he's in over his head, Talos is the one who I think is doing it in the most genuine way. Where it's just like, no, like I am feeling this too. And like, this is bigger than your spy stuff. This is bigger than anything in the cold war, you know? And so I think that that one is the thing I'm interested in seeing going forward because, like, I don't really think Talos necessarily is going to be a turncoat on humanity because I think that there are already too many portrayals that are probably going to happen anyway. But I think that it's interesting to see how he deals with the fact that maybe the person that he put is that he put stock in, he put stock in Fury. What if he can't come through when he needs him? Right, and especially being ostracized by your own people, getting kicked off of the Scroll Council—that's gotta—that's gotta hurt a little bit. Your daughter leaving and and joining with the rebels—that—that's uh, a—that's a little something. That's a little rough. Hunter, the the Talos character—I think they have continued, at least so far, to shine an interesting light on him, especially now that we know his wife died. Unfortunate rest in peace mm-hmm. and and also his daughter gaia played by amelia clark and we get to see kind of what that relationship is and it's full of a lot of lack of trust as this show has kind of emphasized who do you trust uh what what, have, what did you think of talos's character in seeing this episode and how it's how it's kind of evolved um i was actually really thrilled with what they were doing with talos i I think it's pretty obvious, even after this first episode, that uh, Secret Invasion is very much like the Nick Fury show, and, and they've just taken Secret Invasion and kind of made that the story that's happening while we're really focusing on on Fury. Um, and a cool thing that a lot of stories tend to do that I always love when they do this is when you have your main characters going through a really specific arc, and then you have the characters around him sort of reflecting that arc to, to comment on it. And I think it's really cool that they have taken Talos, who, you know, last we saw had a family, you know, wife, daughter, um, and they've put him they've put him in a situation that is very similar to Nick Fury. Um, And it really solidifies that friendship because now you have Talos and you have Nick Fury and these are both uh, men fighting this war that they believe in and two guys who really feel like they don't have anyone else in this fight, but each other, uh, you know, they, they don't have that family to fall back on. They don't really, I mean, as far as we know, they don't really have any other genuine like friends on the level that we seem to see them even like Nick, you could say Maria, but even that, like you, you don't see them buddying around. That's it's a much more of like a work relationship, like close mm-hmm. coworkers. Uh, so I think it's really cool that they've put these two characters in this situation where they reflect each other and they're both fighting this fight, and they're both just so tired. 
Uh, they both have that washed agenda going on, AC, which I, I really, really like. Um, but yeah, that, that's, my, that's where I stand with it. I'm excited to see that grow, and I'm excited to see them play off of each other. And I, I'm excited to see where the story takes these two characters who, in my mind, are, are very clear like mirrors of each other, which I, I like. Yes, very, very central to the themes, very central to everything that's going on. And you mentioned Wash Agenda. My goodness gracious. So you have <laughs> Fury. Fury, of course, is getting cooked verbally by not only Talos, but Maria, also Maria Hill. And mm-hmm. then, yes, one Sonia Fallsworth, played oh, yeah. by Olivia Coleman. Jake, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just throw this over to you. So before I do. That little diatribe that she went on with Fury just, like, roasting him? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, I, I I got a kick out of that. So, I mean, Oscar and Olivia Coleman um, is incredible. Uh, I think there are probably going to be a lot of people listening to this who are completely unfamiliar with her work because her three Oscar nominations came in movies that uh, most normal people didn't see. But she's great in all of them. Um, <laughs> and she's, she's always a staple of British comedy forever. And she is just so talented. And it's funny that I think really her Oscar movie nominations are all her playing like very serious people, but she is incredibly funny. And in this, I was so glad. I was afraid she'd be doing serious Olivia Coleman, which is great. She won an Oscar for it. Actually, I guess she's sort of silly in the favor, but she has two Oscar nominations for serious Olivia Coleman. Anyway, I was afraid she'd be doing serious Olivia Coleman, but she's very clearly doing campy, funny Olivia Coleman, which is beautiful. And is a great energy to play off of. Samuel Jackson because Nick Fury is always a little irreverent and her irreverence is like one ups him that she's kind of like no you think you're gonna do your little quips I'm gonna be like you know I'm gonna show how dominant I am by not taking this seriously I saw some people being mad at how many does the show had jokes or whatever one it's Marvel it's gonna have some jokes but two I think that like it is in a way the, the, the line about extraordinary rendition and it's like, I didn't think that they were capable of extraordinary. I thought it was just mediocrity. That, I think, in a lot of ways is like, I am taking what you're saying so not seriously that I'm going yeah. to make fun of you. And I think that her whole vibe is like, you're, and I mean, and it's someone who likes espionage stuff, there's really nothing better than the you fought in old wars. You're not equipped for this war. You're an old man. It's, I mean, the whole thing at the nineties was full of, it's not the cold war anymore, you know? And if you say that line in a movie, I'm there. And that's basically what she's saying. It's like, no, this is not your, this is not even the Avengers anymore. Like this is like some real stuff. And I'm, they gave her just gave just a little bit of her. I'm excited to see her going forward. And yeah, you know, um, I think that if you're gonna, I was a little worried about her being in the show. Cause I'm like, okay, Marvel cast overqualified people all the time, but like, She's like third build in Secret Invasion. That's a problem. But I think that she's having a lot of fun. And so I'm glad. I hope she had a good time. Uh, she clearly looks like it. Well, I think the thing about her that's interesting, and as we see the series evolve, we'll learn more. But based off of the way that Fury puts her over, and Fury puts her over as he plants the recording device, and they, they watch her, and he's explaining to Talos that, hey, this person's going to hunt you down. This person's going to take you out. And take all scrolls out as well. And it just seems like she could work with Fury a little bit, but she could also work to whatever is best for her and and her ideology and however she wants to go about things. So she kind of feels like an interesting player in this. And I'm excited to see what she has cooked going cooked up going forward. I think and going back to Fury, so I mentioned that the three characters have, um, in Maria Hill, Talos, and uh, Sonia are like roasting him. And it's like, rule of thumb in hashtag watched agenda <laughs> is you have people who tell you you're too old, you can't get it done anymore, and you got to prove them wrong. So we, we, we've, we've, hit that, we've hit that marker right off the bat. So it's, it's, it's nice to see you got Fury limping around. That's another hashtag. Watch agenda. You have them kind of looking a, a little confused at, at certain points of what's happening in, in, in talking to Maria Hill. That's hashtag Watch Agenda too. I mean, it, this thing really hits levels that I was not prepared for. <laughs> now, how old are you exactly? How many years? I, I am 36 years old. 36 years old. Samuel Jackson yes. is more than double your age. Yes. How <laughs> you're leading to him so much. It's a, He's incredible. a 74-year-old man, and you're seeing him look around, and you're just like, that's me on screen right there. Although, I will I will say yeah. that AC has created such a brand for himself that for when sure. I did get these screeners and watch them, 
the first person I thought of oh, watching sure. was AC and to the degree that I text him immediately. And I was like, <laughs> you are going to love this show specifically for one reason. And I just oh, know man. that you're going to love it. So and, it was, good. and of course you did. <laughs> so good. So good in so many ways. I, I, I'm just, I feel, I feel like this is me. And this is me, and I and I'm just I'm ready to receive what this show has to give me. And, and I would love to hear AC try to. I mean, listen, Sam Jackson is out here delivering lines like they've just pulled him out of a cabin in the mountains, and mm. I've just, I've like not seen him play Nick Fury like this before, and it's so exciting because he really is bringing a whole other level of like mid '80s action, like Danny Glover to this that I just think is is impeccable. Um, and I would like to think that AC will talk like that someday. Um, oh man, sure. I, can't, yeah. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't wait to get there. I'm excited for it. It's a, uh, it's something that I, <laughs> that I definitely look forward to as, as I age, but now nah, it's, fu- it's, it's funny when you see Fury this way, completely in a lot of ways in over his head. I mean, I even think, all right, you know what? I'm a, I'm going to hold that because when we get to that when we get to that scene, I will describe it in detail. But I want to talk more about uh not only Talos but his relationship with his daughter Gaia. Gaia has joined the rebel forces of the Skrulls with uh with with Gravik. They got the little the Skrull outpost out there in Moscow with the with the wonderful they grow uh scroll crops and they got scroll wine they got a whole bunch of stuff there that get fucked up too i bet yeah i made note of that when i was watching the episode i put a specific note that i really wanted to try scroll wine i'm curious now, a, a detail that they said that they kind, they kind of passed over quickly but i think is actually a good solve for a lot of the possible story issues is that they make their camps around old nuclear sites because yes. they're immune to radiation which i think makes a good ex- which is a because a lot of movies will have movies and shows will have evil guys want to blow up the world in a nuclear annihilation and you're like why would you want to do that but this actually is a good reason because if you're immune to radiation the best way to turn earth into a scroll home is to kill everyone via nukes so that actually yeah. it actually <laughs> solves the story problem even like as a little detail yes yes and so as we see this outpost and we see this base, what it has is uh, you get you get the good side. You see the kids playing. You, you see people in a community kind of living free and, and seemingly enjoying themselves. And then you get the stuff behind the curtain, which is you got a whole bunch of humans uh, strapped up and seemingly mind wiped as we have scrolls take their place and and the infiltration is the thing that this show seemingly wants to focus on. It can seemingly be at the highest forms of civilization, whether it be government, uh, government officials, stars. It could be anybody. Who can you trust? Who can you really trust? I thought the fact that they were able to see this visually and the fact that they're not only you know perpetrating people but stealing their memories... That was a nice little touch. What did you think of that, uh, Jake? So I think that it's a good it's good for a couple of reasons. One, it, it serves a good way of um, eliminating the problem of like you have you can have a character impersonated by a scroll without them needing to be dead, which is good narratively because you could just be like, oh, they're hooked up to this. It also gets rid of the whole easy scroll test about long term memories, um, and I think that it really. Uh, does like you were saying put in perspective that anyone can be a squirrel really well and i think that it, it, it underlines the inhumanity of what they're doing that like obviously they're doing terroristic acts but i think that like it's there's something very visceral about seeing people chained up like that and um i think that there's obviously as always marvel gets criticized very often for giving their villains good politics but then making them do abhorrent things but uh i think that this is a easy way for it to be like oh wait right it's no matter how you feel about their refugee crisis, they are stealing people's lives and being horrible. And so I think that it's just a really good, it's a quick explanation of how their operation works. Yes. Yes. And it doesn't need to be like in crazily expounded upon in great detail, but Hunter, I wanted to ask you this because a lot of the contention online and who, and, and contention online, I can't believe that's a thing. Who's I can't believe that. that? I can't, I can't <laughs> believe that happens. But I think one of the things that people were, the, the, the general nerddom will mm-hmm. be like, 
in terms of the comic adaptation and right. obviously secret invasion the comic has a lot of heroes has a lot of scrolls has a lot of back and forths it really spans everything and and it gets into all the it's it's big it's massive it's a lot of stuff happens and a lot of stuff changes after the fact how did this make you how did this make you feel in terms of as opposed to that do you even think of that what is your mentality when you think about the comic book secret invasion and the idea of them diving into this and what does that look like to you because i will say for me personally I, I, I'm digging the smaller stakes so far in the way that they kind of laid it out for us to this yeah. point. And that's kind of where I was sitting with it, but I was curious as to where you sat. Yeah, that's, um, that was a really good question. Uh, I, I think I'm with you on this. So I'll say that secret invasion, the comic book event does hold a very special place in my heart because um, to, you know, not to date myself like too much, but I was one of the first major events happening in the comics when i first started reading them it was like the mm. civil war world war hulks uh world war hulk secret invasion so that's like one of the first big three events i remember from my childhood so it, i remember like the advertising campaign i remember how huge it was how terrified i was every issue of who's going to be a scroll who's not going to be a scroll um but i i also had really tempered i would hope reasonable expectations going mm -hmm. into this show that like it wasn't going to be the comic book event uh, the MCU has a really long history, as we all know, of using really cool titles and uh, interesting concepts, but it's not the comics. They're telling their own stories. They're telling, they have their own world. The characters are in different places. Um, and I'm I'm really digging this as a small-scale spy thing. Like I, I mentioned earlier, I'm really viewing this less as an adaptation of Secret Invasion from the comics and more right. as this is Nick Fury, the TV show, and they're using Secret Invasion as the conflict that to center that around. Um, so I think I'm pretty capable of detaching. Like, I don't need it to just be an exact replica of the comics. I'm very happy as long as they're telling a good story and the twists and turns and the scrollness of it all works within the context of the characters and, and the platform that they have. Uh, I'm cool with that. And, and I think that it was a really, a really good, spy show i think that they're using this conflict to explore nick fury as a character really well um uh like jake brought up like the refugee stuff like I, I think that's really interesting i i just think that you have to look at this show and understand what it is and not what you want it to be and it, is it good at doing what it is doing <laughs> and if the answer is yes then what are we really complaining about you know mm, um yes. at that point and like you brought up i, I was going to mention the the mind thing yeah, um go ahead. That is one of the few things in this episode that is a thing in the comics. And, and in the comics, uh, it's, even, it's even grander, of course. Most things are grander in, in the comics. Uh, they go as far as sometimes Skrulls will go through that process and they won't even remember that they are Skrulls. They fully just become sleeper agents that embody that person. And the, the higher-up Skrulls are like, well, this will serve our purpose as well because if they don't know they're a Skrull, then no one's going to know they're a Skrull. Uh, and it goes even further than that. Whether or not the show goes there, I have no clue. Um, but <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think we should expect scrolls where it's like, oh, they're like half Wolverine and half Spider Man, and they're <laughs> like crashing the White House. No, they're not focusing on super. This is the last thing I'll say, Jake. And then yeah. I'll, no, I'll no, 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 no. I have a dumb joke. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I think that they've also been really smart in switching how they create suspense with the scroll invasion where i mean in the comics you go in and it's like the avengers and the x-men and fantastic four and, and you have all these big superhero teams and mm -hmm. you have this earth populated by these powerful people and that is what the comic is focused on so the suspense there is like good lord what if someone like the century is a scroll or something like yeah, right. we're screwed what goes what, what do we do from there whereas this in, in the comics, the idea that the president might be a Skrull is really put on the back burner because you have these like super-powered individuals. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, the Skrulls aren't trying to capture superheroes. Maybe they, I don't, we don't know why exactly. So they, when you remove that, you're able to just focus on the politics of it, uh, which weren't as much of a thing in the comics. It was very much like a superpower-based situation. Yes. So I think that focusing so heavily on the politics and making it the like Russia versus United States and like, is the president a Skrull? Is the secretary of defense a scroll or whatever uh i think that that makes a lot of sense and i think it works yeah. really well 
And the thing I want, I'll say two things. One, I do love that they have the line, and I'm sure there's a thing that has something in the comics, but that's like, uh, the the ones that go out, we stay in our human form, so we're not as easily detectable. And it's like, aka Amelia Clark said, I am not spending more than three days in that makeup chair. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm kidding. It might not yeah. have been her. But I, I, when I actually think that that's not a bad idea just because, you know, you pay these actors to do show the yeah. pieces. Um, and I also think a thing that the, the risk of having a cinematic universe is that once you introduce the idea of big superheroes – Every other story you'd want to tell about the world needs to be about those superheroes because the world would just be fundamentally different. And so while you could be like, why aren't the Avengers involved in this, yada, 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 I like the idea of being like, okay, there is a very interesting story. We have these shape-shifting aliens. There's an interesting story to tell of what if these shape-shifting aliens came to our world. Obviously, this is not our world, but we don't need to make everything about you know what I mean? Because it's you can basically turn any enemy into that enemy against the Avengers, and I let I I think as a as an idea of a show independent of what the comic is, saying like, would you watch a show about an alien race that can look like anyone trying to start a world war between Russia and the United States? They'd be like, absolutely, and because that's a good show without any of the Marvel stuff, I'm fine with that being the Marvel show. And I I think it's pretty easily explained away too. I they don't say it outright, but in my head, it's like, yeah, if I was Nick Fury, and there's a chance that any of the most powerful people on Earth are Skrulls. Maybe they're not the first people I go to when I'm trying to solve this problem. Maybe I figure out the roots of the problem without even getting them involved or accidentally tipping them off. And, like, I just, like, when he keeps saying, like, oh, I gotta do this, like, on my own, this is my thing, whatever, that's kind of partly how I take it, where I'm like, yeah, why get them involved if you don't, if you can do it without them, you know? Yes, 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 yes. And Hunter, you did mention a couple of things there as you were talking, and one of them was the president and politics. Oh, and true. Very briefly, <laughs> we do get a brief scene of President Ritson and and Mr. Rhodes, Mr. James Rhodes. We see him and we see them together, and seemingly President Ritson is not happy that Nick Fury has come down from Sabre. Oh, which is a, the space station that he's been setting up for these last few years. And and uh, also, it seems also like Rhodes is kind of like on the fence. Like, what is, well, you know, Fury and, and Hill are having these conversations and we don't know what they are. They're encrypted. And it, it, seems, it seems like a little off kilter. Not the reaction I was expecting necessarily, which then makes me wonder... Which one or two of these guys are not really guys? And are they scrolls? What do you guys think? Uh, I mean, I think that it's the, my immediate read, and this doesn't mean that it's not true, is that Rhodes is a scroll. Because, like, why is Rhodes being so distrustful of Nick Fury? But then you also can wonder, like, are they, could they also possibly have a thing where you think he's a scroll, but it turns out that he something happened that he doesn't trust him anymore in the five years now now i'm thinking like ac where it's like the obvious thing is that Rhodes is a scroll that's why he's saying that or but also could that be a misdirection president i think the president is either a scroll now or will be a scroll later um and i hope that that scroll is played by dylan mcdermott because that would be funny (laughs) (laughs) see this is the thing about ritson so has it been possibly that Ritson as a scroll just sent Fury up there to make a space defense thing for him. Perhaps it's possible. I, that's this is where this is this is this is my this is my my backyard right here where you get the <laughs> wheels turning and you start to wonder because yes, Jake is right. I I am wondering about Rhodes being a scroll, but I'm thinking old president here, especially since we all already kind of know that he's not going to be the president going forward in the MCU. There seems to be there's going to be a change based off of something. So you have to that, think. Yes, that, I was going to say you have to think that if like the secret invasion has been going on for as long as it seems to be implied, or potentially like if this was a pre blip situation, right? Right. That when Nick Fury got dusted, whatever scrolls didn't get dusted were like, thank God. <laughs> they were like, wow, that solves a lot of problems for us. Uh, every scroll, someone please, uh, someone please Photoshop the showed up my haters funeral meme, but with a scroll. 
<laughs> that's, that's actually a great tweet. Yeah. yeah, that's a great tweet somewhere. <laughs> Honestly, if I have time, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's funny because while Tony Stark is busy raising his daughter and just not caring about superhero life, the Skrulls are just out here doing whatever. Well, half of the heroes are gone. Common so... Tony L. <laughs> Common Tony L. Being a dad. <laughs> Common L for Tony Stark. Yeah. Responsible ass. <laughs> and that and that is so and that and you know that part of it is, is interesting because if that is the case, that has some you know major consequences. Not only for the, not only for the world in a sense, but Fu- but Fury, like F- Fury too, how he's looked at, how he's perceived, and especially with everybody talking down on his name. How could he not see this coming? Especially since he was the one who he he talks to Sonya. He says, "Well, I'm the person who's had the most experience with these scrolls this entire time, and you ain't see that coming." You you gonna look kind of stupid in the end, and that's where I kind of wonder. And I'm jumping a little too far ahead, but it does make me wonder if that is the is that if that is one of the the goals of the series in terms of impact is to because in Secret Invasion of the comic, Tony Stark is the one that kind of gets railed by the government at the end of of the end of it, seeing how could you not see this coming? Well, why are the Avengers? Why do we need Avengers? Why don't we just put in our own Avengers? And I will, I will let that, I will let that percolate for now. And as the series goes along, we'll, we'll have more conversations about that, but there is more as we see a lot of Maria Hill in this episode, which it's funny, the reactions to Maria Hill, because you get half of the people like, Oh my God, why did they do that? And then you get half of the people like, eh, okay. (laughs) So it, it was interesting seeing her, um, you know, basically with more screen time than we've seen her overall in the movies and shows that she's she's appeared in previously. <laughs> uh, Hunter, your, your thoughts on Maria Hill before we get to the climactic scene? Yeah, I guess I don't have like a super strong opinion on it, uh, which, you know, I hope is fine. But I, I, I do think I understand why people are upset about it. Uh because it, this is a character who has existed in the MCU for 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never really did get to know her that much. And she never really did get, like, she was kind of always a cameo. She, I mean, this is a character who they put on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And even, even like, put on cameos on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we still learned, like, nothing about her or, like, yeah. who she is as a character. Um, so I get why people would be mad about that. And I am also kind of sad that like we haven't gotten that really um and then i also see the other end of it where it's like well she wasn't much of a character so why are we supposed to be that devastated but you know relating those two things the root of the problem of people being like meh is because we never really got to know her that well as a character and if if we did then the reactions might be a little bit bigger uh, I, I, you know, I don't know what else you want me to say about the the finale there, but no, we're we we're gonna get to that in a right. minute because I because as as I talk, I I think of more of fury furyisms mm-hmm. that I want to get to, uh, but Jake, just general Maria Hill thoughts in this episode and her appearance up to that. Yeah, I I think I'm in the same boat as Hunter, where I I admittedly never had any real attachment to her as a character, uh, but I don't begrudge anyone who did. Uh, I, I like seeing her in this because she is kind of, you know, one of Fury's older friends, even if they're, they're not, like, outside of work friends. Um, yeah, I, 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 I wish that she was in the rest of the show because I think they could do interesting things with her. But uh, it's not like I'm... When, when she died, I wasn't, like, having a flashback of all the great Maria Hill memories. And that's no disrespect to her. It just, it's just not, you know. I, I, and so... Yeah, I I, I, well, I understand the reaction, but I was admittedly not one of those people reacting that way. Yeah, and I and I think the 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 feeling that I had about the appearance, um, I think again, it was used to again establish that Fury. They want to establish not only the viewer but the the casual viewer that this is a serious situation for Fury as he arrives. This isn't just fun and games. Uh, a quote-unquote one last ride that's like a lethal weapon for 
it's a little more serious. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's a little, it's a, it's a different type of deal for for Fury here. And you know, I don't have a problem with the choice that they made. Um, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good with it overall. But again, gonna get to that very shortly. But I do want to say the the bit. I have to get it to it. The bit with Fury Talos as they are interrogating that uh, that dude who ends up being a scrawl that turns into a fight, and Fury does the whole thing that this uh, King Louis chair is a, is so comfortable. That was just so delightful. What a delightful scene! And then Talos going, "I got it," but then we find out that he don't got it, as he's getting his ass whooped. And then Fury got to put a hot one in him. That was just you know how Hunter mentions '80s action scene. Yeah right there he's got that hell of bullets line it goes back to what i was saying with them like mirroring each other talus being like i don't know if you got it but it's like i don't know if you got it man (laughs) i don't know what's going on here so good good. i had so much fun jake Jake, did you enjoy that scene of course i enjoyed that scene i mean (laughs) it's just i I just i love the way that simon's actually just so he's one of the actors who's most confident being with a gun like he just knows how to <laughs> he knows how to use and I said it was the joke, but it's like he knows how to use the fact that he is holding a gun to raise and lower the temperature of a scene at will. And so he is able to like just be confident in like I love like the you can lie to me once bit. Like I think that that's like such a clever thing. <laughs> and um I also like that like there's a even though Taylor's is mad at him for shooting him, I like the unspoken friendship thing of that. Like where it's just like, I'm not gonna let your pride get you killed. You know, and so I think that there's like, it's just a nice moment between them. You get to see how they, how this, maybe this is how they operated with pre, in previous situations um, in a city that started with a B. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so the, the primary objective of Fury, Talos, and Hill is to try and stop a dirty bomb from being, uh, being exploded in, in Moscow. And so, we get to the the closing scene and we have Gravik who, again, we, we don't get a lot, but seemingly this is a get shit done type of person. So, and there's not, there doesn't need a lot to be said, but it seems like he gets stuff done. And I think the touch from earlier in the episode before Fury gets picked up by Sonya's uh, folks with the little girl that was, that was out there comes back and fold as they're looking for the bomb and then fury runs into the runs into the little girl and then he realizes like oh shit there's a trap and the look on fury's face as he is following gravic change constantly the look of so good oh my god what did i get myself into i'm not ready for this oh everybody's kind of right i'm shocked i'm old i'm cooked i'm washed Hashtag wash agenda. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Just dumbfounded. Poor Fury. I felt so bad for him. And I also felt like, yeah, I've been there. It's happened. I also think that was a really good, like, establishing moment for Gravik as a character yeah. that we don't get to spend a lot of time with in the episode. Because you do, you kind of get that reveal that, oh, we did spend a decent amount of time with Gravik in that episode. We just didn't know it. Uh, and like you said, it, it tells says a lot about how he operates, where his confidence level is at, uh, why people are afraid of him. It says all of that without him even speaking uh, in a really clever way. So I that's actually one of my favorite moments in the whole episode, just from a, a filmmaking standpoint. I think it was everything kind of came together really well there. Yeah, ratchets, ratcheted up the tension, um, kind of show that Gravik got a little, maybe a little super, it's a little super, super, super scroll thing in, mm. in him, possibly, <laughs> perhaps, maybe, I don't know, we'll, mm. we'll find out as it, we'll find out as it goes. Jake, what did you think of that, what did you think of that scene as it evolved? I think that what he was trying to say to him is like, just by showing his powers over and over again, it's like, you are a kitten trying to kill a human. This is the level of evolution that we are past. Like, you can't, you're in, it is silly for you to think that you can stop us because we're aliens with superpowers. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? And so I think that that's why, like, he's toying with him. And, like, I like that he's not really showing his real face too much, even though obviously it's not his real face. And the one thing I observed, tell me if I'm crazy, 
the way that he looks, his haircut and his styling, Kings of Benadir looks like a soccer player that's someone who I don't who will follow. I don't follow soccer, but would just be like, I can't believe they got him for a twenty million dollar transfer fee. It's like that's what he looks like. <laughs> the haircut, the haircut especially. It's like it was, if you if yeah. people are mad that Chelsea got him, like I'm like whatever. Anyway, <laughs> that's great. but yeah, I think that like using the kid too, I think is so effective because it's a thing you never like. They're in it's innocence, you know. Um, and yeah, I, you're afraid of him even though he says like three lines the whole episode. Yeah, and and then of of course you get uh, graphic as Fury shooting and killing Maria Hill, which kind of sets the stage of what we're going to get here as we go forward. It's it. I'm excited to see where this goes. I think the uh, the idea of the storytelling here seems like it's going to be something that we will just have to keep an eye out for. I think the the Talos Gaia graphic tension because guy obviously helps talos and lets him know to a degree that this is happening but however got he was lured into a trap everybody was lured into a trap they knew that they were coming it was going to be a thing so what that tension between all three of them will be the father-daughter tension and obviously gravik and talos as he's trying to fight for his daughter so i'm excited to see that and and listen wash fury is is gonna be out here this entire time Trying to figure this thing out. He has no Avengers on his side. The, the Avengers were his midlife crisis. What, what a great line. Oh, my God. So, so good. So good. Enjoyed that, too. Um, it's it, I'm Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm ready for episode two. I'm ready to see where this goes. Uh, uh, Hunter, I'll go with you last. Jake, what, what are you most excited for to see going forward? I'm excited to see the ways that we haven't even considered scrolls infiltrating the world. Like, it's easy to be like, what superheroes are scrolls? What characters we already know are scrolls? What, uh, you know, president is a scroll? But, like, if you can pretend to be someone 100% convincingly, there is no institution you can't infiltrate. And mm-hmm. so, like, I hope that, like, what happens if they're, like, in charge of NASA? You know what I mean? Like, what happens if they're in charge? Take any federal If they're in charge of, like, the, you know, Naval Oceanic Association or NOAA, I forget what it stands for, they probably could fuck some shit up. Like, there is so much you can do. And I think I hope that they try to find creative ways for the scrolls to be influencing the world. Because it's, it's really easy to just be like, a scroll is the president and that's how they're controlling everything. Like, okay, fine. But there's, like, I, I think that there are just things we're not even considering with it. Like, I think that, I think that they know the easy answers enough to be like, to have people you never consider to be scrolls to be scrolls. Mm, yes, yes, very interesting. And and uh, Hunter, give me your thoughts on where do you see this series going? Now I know you've seen episode two, but just in a, in if you could speak in general terms, like how did you feel in terms of setup? Because this was very much a table setter. And how do you feel like this will continue to escalate the tensions, not only between Fury trying to figure things out, but the overall scrawl invasion and everything that's happening there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, I, I have seen episode two, but I, I also think that, you know, that it's, it's not like two episodes in they've answered all my questions. So I think that a lot of my thoughts and, and where I'm hoping, what I'm hoping to see kind of still stand. Um, yeah. I mean, hopping off of Jake's point, which I, I think is a really good point. I'm, I'm curious to see if there is a reveal of how long they've been infiltrating. I think that mm-hmm. uh, you know, this episode starts with finding out that Ross is a scroll, uh, which is cool. I think it's the show's version of Elektra being revealed as a skull, scroll in the comics where it starts mm-hmm. with, with that um, and there's sort of like a body to show people be like, look, this is real. Um, but you know, how long was Ross a scroll? Uh, they, they don't really touch on that. They kind yeah. of go past that really quickly. Uh, was he a scroll in Black Panther Wakanda forever? Um, you know, if he was, then it, it seems like maybe he would have been trying to get uh, Wakanda and, you know, the United States and everyone to be fighting each other, but he wasn't. So is there some sort of ulterior motive? Not that I think that Marvel was necessarily thinking about that at the time, but you you catch my drift. Um, yeah. And then on a more personal level, I, I am really enjoying this as, as Old Man Fury, the, the TV show. So, you know, Nick Fury going to Maria Hill, she has that line where they're playing chess, where she straight up tells him, I don't think you have it in you anymore. And if you can't figure it out, people are going to get hurt. And then he doesn't figure it out. And then what happens? She dies. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that narratively, that's an interesting scene because I think that sort of sets up. Well, now if Maria's dead and Ross was a scroll and fury can't trust anyone, now he has to step up. 
So I'm curious to see how they sort of have that happen. How does Fury step up? What is his next move? Uh, you know, he is a little off. We can we can see that. Do we get a like a real reason for that? Are we going to get some sort of beautiful Sam Jackson soliloquy where he tells us why he's off? Is it is it the blip? Is there something else going on? Um, you know, there's going to be people who are like, well, he's off because he's a scroll. I don't think that he's going to be a scroll, but. I'm curious to see what they do with Nick Fury as a character over the course of six episodes, because that does seem to be their goal with this show, like their first and foremost goal. So I'm, I'm curious. I agree wholeheartedly with that. And I'm glad that you mentioned the Fury point, because I think, I think about far from home and that post credit scene where it seemed like he was on vacation and just kind of chilling. Like this was as relaxed of a Fury as we had seen to that point. And what happened during that time, that time that passed that got us here to this point where he comes down and it seems like he isn't over his head. He seems like he's out of sorts in a lot of ways. So uh, that would be perfect to kind of see a little bit more of that backstory a little bit to see what his mentality is. So how does he feel about losing Maria Hill? That should be something that we explore. Does that kind of, center him and put him into focus and then of course as jake mentioned earlier how does he deal with a threat like this especially with a dude who did what he did right there like changing into all these different folks and had him looking looking crazy out here so the fury the nick fury show as hunter says i think (laughs) will be will be very interesting and i think it's really really great that that sam jack gets to get uh showcased in this type of way so we could see his talents and then of course the interplay with him and ben mendelson as talos will be a lot of fun and of course i I, i'll say this again the sonya character is intriguing they gave us a nice little sprinkle Mm -hmm. i I want to i want to see more i i definitely want to see more so i'm excited to see where secret invasion goes we'll be covering it every week looking forward to episode two next week Hunter, I want to thank you for joining us. Appreciate you so much, brother. Where can we follow you? Where can we find your work, my friend? Um, I am H for DC fourteen on all social media. So that's H R A D E S I, and then the number fourteen. Um, I write for a little website called The Streamer. So we just relaunched, and we have a ton of new content. I do videos there on our YouTube. I actually just dropped my own. Um, Secret Invasion breakdown video with my good friend Mary. Um, Mary, friend we, of the show. Friend of the yes. show, Mary. We we didn't talk about it, but uh, my favorite character in this episode is actually Agent Prescott from the beginning, who I feel like Jake also <laughs> might have loved. Uh, his yeah, delivery is, is perfect, uh, and I, I do that entire video breakdown series in character as Agent Prescott um, trying to figure out the Secret Invasion. So you can find the first episode of that on YouTube. I have a ton of reviews and written stuff being posted at streamer and the website Cinelinks. Um, but follow me. I, I post about, about all of that. So you'll, you'll see it. Wonderful stuff, man. Appreciate you, sir. Yeah. Jay Christie, where can we follow you? You can follow me at the Jay Christie. Listen to my other podcast at first psych with me and Andre Rare talk about the show psych. We're just about to finish season two, uh, where it really gets, starts getting great. Uh, and yeah, you know, I apologize if I was a little tapped out for the last 20 minutes. I did spend all that making the Photoshop of the scroll. At <laughs> uh, That's insanely I, impressive because you did not seem tapped out at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, 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 for Hunter and AC, it is in your text message inbox. Um, oh, is that what that was? It's not great, but it's like, good, it's, it's good enough for a meme. Uh, so that will be out. Uh, but yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm, 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 you can DM me if uh, you have a job or if you want to sell me Bitcoin. No. Uh, <laughs> anyway, no, it is. I'm oh, happy. Man. I'm happy. I have this. And also not that it will pay my rent, but if you ever were going to subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Now's yeah, the time. Well, well so yeah, speaking of, of Patreon, patreon.com slash MC university pod, where you can get our, our bonus content. We have the fast and the furious thing still going. Remember number four is up there. Number five will be recorded next week for July. Looking forward to that. We also have um, we also have our subscriber mailbag, yep. which is uh, something that we'll be recording before the end of the month. We do it every month. The listeners always ask the most interesting questions that we we try and answer to the best of our abilities. So if you want to join and obviously get into the Discord, 
It's only $3 to get in there and get the backlog of content, including, as we mentioned during the Flash episode, the Daddy's Pod, which was, again, tremendous (laughs) stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, The top 10 daddies in the MCU. It's really going to be hard to top next year because I made a point of going longer this year, and it's just like we might need to do it in two days if we have to if we're going to beat two hours and fifty four minutes. No, but... a part one and a part two. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> why not? And 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 of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. Follow the show at MC University Pod. We uh, we are endeavoring, and we may, we may, we may, and I say that, and I say this as a little tease. It's a little tease. We we have uh we have a, a guest or two lined up for next week Ooh. that should be very interesting as we get into some Marvel Cinematic Universe books, something that may be coming out later this year, and also Secret Invasion. So just a little just a little tease. If you want to do a little Google and search MCU books that are coming out this year, take a look and then maybe you'll find out who it is. If this specific one falls through, we're gonna have to get some dumbass who's self publishing an MCU book. Yes! Just so this isn't a lie. Yes, yes, so this isn't a lie. <laughs> so but what I, you're I, telling I, is I, I have a week to self publish an MCU book. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, 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 I do think we're in good shape. So if that does if that does come through, we're excited to have that conversation when it does happen. But uh, yes, continue to support the show. Continue to support us. Appreciate everybody for listening and supporting at the same time. Also, lastly, five-star review. Five-star review on all platforms, Apple and Spotify. So for Hunter Radisi and Jake Christie, I'm Anthony Kanz on the third. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time.